Hey, it's Miss Wisconsin USA 2017, Skylar Witte, and you're listening to Life After the Crown with Tim Fialdo. Hey everybody, welcome to the Life After the Crown podcast, where each episode I bring you useful interviews with former pageant contestants, title holders, and women of influence who are now succeeding across many different industries in the real world. My name is Tim Tialdo, lifestyle entrepreneur, pageant host, author, and quite honestly, somebody who just wants to help you become a better person overall. Now, if pageant life is over for you, or it soon could be, and you're wondering, well, what do I do now, or what's next? This podcast is designed to help make the transition to real life and the school of hard knocks a little bit easier for you to handle. So if this is your first time listening, thanks for tuning in. We're glad you're with us today. Let's get started. Today's guest was Miss Wisconsin USA 2017. She's also a versatile blogger and social media pro as her website reached over 50,000 people in 87 different countries last year. When not writing, brand building, and Instagramming, She can be found on different stages and runways as a model, public speaker, host, and actress. She has been published in magazines, catalogs, and numerous websites, including Seventeen.com. She is presently working for world-renowned designer MacDougall as one of the company's traveling runway models. As a brand ambassador, promotional model, and event host, she is also known for her big smile, bubbly personality, and ability to connect with clients on all levels. The ever-lovable Skylar Witte. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Tim. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Well, hey, I know I met you through the gang over at Future Productions, who run Wisconsin as one of their seven states uh, in the Miss USA system. Now, I've seen lately, I've been watching Instagram, you do quite a bit of work for them. Um, and you've been doing some Instagram live videos interviewing some of the state winners. So tell us about what you're doing with Future Productions. Yes, it's kind of incredible how everything comes for full circle like that. I was a title holder with Future Productions. And then before I even gave up my crown, we had a discussion. And I was like, I'm so passionate about the Miss Universe organization. And I think you guys run such an incredible seven state pageants. Is there, is there any way I can help? And I started off in the office just making um, phone calls to contestants. And I now have transitioned and I'm helping them with all sorts of fun projects, working with some social media projects, still making those phone calls. And then I'll be helping at their seven state pageants in the fall. And that's really exciting for me because working with the Miss Universe organization was such an incredible opportunity, but to continue to work kind of within the organization, just in different facets without having to wear you know, a bikini on national TV every year is, is amazing. Not that I didn't love wearing my bikini on national TV, but I will say it takes a lot of the pressure off when you're just, when you're just, you know, supporting the organization, working with these girls. I love the phone calls that I get to have with potential contestants because it can be a really scary thing to get up on that stage. I think I know that better than most. I actually waited to compete until my last year of eligibility for teen because I was so terrified to do it. And then I did it and I thought to myself, why did I waste all that time being afraid when I could have been doing this for years? So I love getting on the phone with those ladies and talking them through, you know, what they're getting themselves into this incredible experience. And regardless of if you walk away with a crown, it really does change your life. So I'm, I'm loving it and having a lot of fun. Well, very cool. Now I do four states and I host those and I've judged for you guys. uh, I think Iowa last year, Wyoming the year before. Uh, Four states is a lot. I mean, I'm exhausted when the, when the season is over, I can only imagine what it's like to go to all seven states. Talk about it. It is crazy. You are, it's a lot of stuff, especially when we do back-to-back competitions. And I worked a few of them last fall when I was able. Um, that being said, I think, like I talked about, the ladies kind of 
being that energy and being that fuel. And at the end of the weekend, you are so exhausted, but there are two women whose lives just changed in ways that they can never imagine. And, you know, the countless contestants whose lives have also been changed because they have the opportunity. So that kind of fuels you for the next, the next pageant and gets you ready. And we drink a lot of Starbucks, so we have a lot of fun. <laughs> and how is it preparing 14 different girls for the nationals? So I have worked a little bit with that side of things. I'm still kind of um, dabbling in that, getting the chance to work with those ladies. I'm just finishing up school. So unfortunately this year, I didn't get to do a whole ton of work with them. Um, but from a former title holder perspective, to now being on the other side, I feel like it's so exciting to be a part of that journey. I mean, being there when those women are crowned and then seeing how they just blossom. They're all queens when they have that crown on their head. But I swear to goodness, they walk away from Miss USA into this like beautiful best version of themselves. And that's my favorite part of getting to work with the title holders, getting them ready for nationals. Because I feel like you just see them learn so much about who they are and what they love and their passions. And they find their groove in being a title holder. And that is just such an incredible thing to see. Well, and what's cool is, you know, you know that experience because, as we mentioned at the top of the podcast, you were Miss Wisconsin USA uh, 2017. And I know it's been now a couple of years since you've given up your crown. Um, And I was on your website today reading a blog article you wrote uh, on the PPB or the Post Pageant Blues. (laughs) I I like that acronym. Um, And in my experience, you. (laughs) you know, I think every title holder goes through that, you know, as well as those contestants at the state level who, you know, maybe they don't finish how they'd hoped. So how did you grapple with overcoming the PPB, the post-pageant blues, after Miss USA was over? You know, it was tough. And I consider myself like a very positive, optimistic person. And that post-Miss USA was such a weird place to be. Not because I wasn't crowned Miss USA. That was, you know, obviously a goal. But my goal at the Miss USA competition was to just have the time of my life. It is such a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. But because I had the time of my life, I walked away. And I'm like, now I just feel like I'm living in this there's normal world and I don't have to get super ready every day. And you know, you're surrounded with the most phenomenal women you're ever going to meet. You're doing such fun activities. You have bodyguards around you. And then all of a sudden you like come home and you're just driving your car around your parents' hometown. And you're like, okay, (laughs) now what do I do? So it was a really weird transition. I think it's funny because um, we have a Miss USA Facebook group for my class and we all talked about it, but nobody was like publicly sharing about it. So that's why I went to my blog because I'm like, I think any girl who competes in a pageant can relate to that. What now feeling, but also there's just other emotions. I mean, you're in the best shape of your life. You're competing in a bikini on national television. Of course, you're going to be, you know, working out twice a day, feeling really good. You're in this super healthy groove and then you get home and you're just like, Oh, I need a break. And then all of a sudden that break turns into three months. You're like, Oh my gosh, what happened? Um, So I think any girl who's competed at that level Um, can feel that. So I just thought it was important to write about it. It took me until after I gave up my title, to be honest. I mean, I think it was a transition, the whole process, getting from Miss USA to now finding my groove in a life without a crown um, has been something that's unique. But yeah, I I think it it took me some, some time, but a lot of it was just reminding myself that this was such an incredible opportunity to remember the things that could come out of this opportunity if I keep working hard and keep you know, pushing, because I think Miss USA gives you this whole potential that you're like, I can do anything. So always keeping that fuel as I'm moving forward in school and career life and just remembering I can do anything. I was up on that stage. I have the most amazing role models from all around the country. So I've gotten there 
a transition, but it did take a while. <laughs> well, you know, I've talked to probably, uh, I, I think, about a dozen of you guests who were title holders that, you know, didn't win Miss USA, but went. And, you know, when you leave, it's that you, you didn't know it was coming, but it hits you. For you, when was that moment that it hit you? Was it on the plane ride home? Was it when you got in your car and drove around your neighborhood? What was it? It was immediately following the pageant. So I can like vividly remember the moments after Cairo was crowned Miss USA. First of all, I just was like sobbing because I was so excited. Like the show got over and we're all on stage hugging her. And I am just sobbing like a crazy person because I had this like overwhelming flow of emotions. And I'm like, I just did that. I know Miss USA, right? I, I grow up as a little girl and this is someone I've admired my entire life. And that person is literally my friend. I have her cell phone number. That's insane. So that was that was the moment I think that it hit me that that had just happened. And then as, as you leave, it's so strange because for the whole week you have chaperones and you have security and you have this awesome team around you and the pageant gets over and then you just leave. Like there is nothing else. So that was the exact moment that I'm like, okay, this is over. <laughs> All right, we are leaving. And I saw my parents and was so excited, but it was this really weird feeling of when am I ever going to see my Miss USA sisters again? Will I ever see my chaperone again? Are you sure I can't go on stage just one more time? <laughs> so I think that was the exact physical moment was getting on the elevator after I packed up my stuff um, from the dressing room, which was such a quick transition. But it really was. It just hits you all of a sudden. And you're like, oh, my gosh. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had one girl describe it like this and tell me if this is what it feels like. It feels like I became a celebrity and then it was taken away from me in one moment. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> that is exactly what it feels like. It is. It's a crazy thing. And yeah, you feel like a celebrity. It's a crazy, awesome, exciting time to be at Miss USA and you have all these people. And I mean, you, even in the casinos, and I always laugh with people. I'm like, I thought it was so cool that people cared that we were there because I mean, JLo performs every night in Vegas, but they were still excited that I was there. So then I felt like I was equally as cool as JLo. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and then you, are. you leave. Yeah. And then you leave and you're not wearing your banner anymore. And then in my head, I'm like, well, nobody cares that I'm here anymore. I'm like, of course, when you're walking through a casino with 50 of the most beautiful women in the country, people are going to stop and stare. And then when you're just like walking with a ton of suitcases, people are generally just going about their lives. So, yes, I would say that that is an exact, accurate feeling of being a celebrity and then all of a sudden not anymore. <laughs> so outside of that aspect of, of holding a state title and, and going to the national show, what are the other things that you experienced that you didn't see coming when you won the state title that you can now look back on and say to those who you know are pursuing the title, these are some things that you should definitely do while you have the crown because you'll never have the opportunity again? And I think what you just that is exactly what I took with my year is this was one year of my life that I had this chance and I was never going to get to do it again. So my biggest thing was to try to impact as many people as I could. And I think the biggest surprise that came back to me was how with the vast amount of appearances I did and with these people who I was talking to, they had such a big impact on me and how I performed at the national competition because you got in the into the community, you're like, I'm a title holder, I'm going to talk, I, I focused on middle school students, and I talked to 8,500 across the state of Wisconsin. But every time I visited a mi middle school, I learned something from those students that then carried me through the rest of my year and through Miss USA. So I think that was like the biggest surprise that I would tell title holders is go out there in your communities, because you're going to be impacting people, but you're also going to become so much better of a version than, than you ever thought you could be so much better of a version of yourself. Um, and yeah, I think that was the biggest, not surprise, but the most 
um, important part of my year was the impact that other people in my community had on myself. So I did 90 appearances as Miss Wisconsin USA, and I truly can say I transformed into a brand new, shinier, uh, more compassionate, uh, better at time management (laughs) version of myself. And it was the most amazing year. I was the youngest contestant in my Miss USA class. So I was 19 Mm -hmm. when Miss USA happened and I was a little nervous and I feel like a lot of people told me this, right? Like there's this myth that it's a disadvantage to be young when you compete. And I truly felt like it was my biggest advantage to be young because I had this impact on my life so young, but I also got to be hanging out with women who are my role models. I mean, my friends from Miss USA are the most amazing women that I will look up to for the rest of my life because I was 19 and these women are into their careers and have these wonderful lives that I get to look at and be like, one day I can do what she is doing. And I have the support of 50 other amazing women to do so. So lots of things learned, mainly just keeping your mind open. So allowing other people to influence your life and impact it in a positive way. Wasn't your predecessor young as well? Was it, wasn't it Kate Redeker? No, you're correct. Kate was also young and her dad is actually the reason that I competed. Um, Funny enough, I was at the Miss Minnesota USA pageant the same year that Kate was crowned. And the year Kate was crowned, I actually competed in the team division. Um, And I was talking to him and he was like, are you going to compete next year? And I said, I don't know. It's my first year of eligibility for Miss. I have a lot of time and I think I'll probably just wait. I have plenty of time. And he looked at me and he was like, wait, why would you wait? Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you just dive head first and go for it? And I mean, it wasn't like this profound statement, but it just made sense. I'm like, you're right. Why would I wait? That's a silly thing. I'm prepared. I just did it. I'm coming fresh out of competing in team. If I don't win, that's okay because it's another opportunity to get on stage, another opportunity to compete for the crown. And so I just went for it. So yes, Kate's dad is actually the reason that I competed right away in the Miss Division. What a cool little story. Uh, Now, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but I want to talk about your blog because it is honestly, it's a great blog because it cuts to the core, in my opinion, of what so many women in the pageant industry think about. So your posts, you know, they're real, they're raw, they're honest. And quite frankly, I think a lot of them are very empowering. So um, if you're listening, by the way, uh, I definitely encourage you to check out her website, SkylarWitty.com. I'll put a a link to it in the description of this podcast. But that being said, uh, I was reading through some of your posts today, and there was one in particular that caught my eye. And uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to share an excerpt from it. It was uh, Just Life Grounded was the title uh, of that blog. And in it, you, yeah. had, you had a paragraph that you wrote called Don't Let Anyone Else Define You. So uh, I'd like to read that paragraph for our listeners real quick. It says, Don't Let Anyone Else Define You. The hardest of all my suggestions. Really hard when you're 13 to 18 years old. Still hard when you're an adult. I'm currently putting myself in the position to be, quote, judged by the world. The harshest kind of judgment. The kind that will come in a bikini in front of a lot of people. The kind that will come with such quotes from viewers at home and even online like, Oh, Wisconsin is hideous. Not my pick. I hate that girl. Seriously, those things will be said about not just me, but every contestant by someone somewhere in the world. But here is my reality. No one else defines me. No one's judgment of me on a single day or in a single moment will be the foundation of how I live my life or the goals I'm able to accomplish. This whole experience is a drop in the bucket of my life. Some seriously powerful words there. So, I, you know, I, I love that you put that stuff out there. But what inspires you to write a blog like this and share it with the world? So my blog is very, very honest and very true to who I am. And I think any 
woman who wins a state title, whether that be, you know, in Miss America or Miss USA, when you're on national TV like that, you're going to face ridicule. Uh, but the focus of my year as Miss Wisconsin USA is actually what inspired a lot of my blogs and pretty much inspires my entire life. Um, I have I have a few stories that will kind of lead us back to this exact excerpt. But um, I talked, like I said, to 8,500 students across the state of Wisconsin. I mean, I chose middle school students. When I got crowned, I knew exactly that's what I was going to do. I remember my briefing after I got crowned. They were like, you know, take some time, settle in. And I was like, okay, well, I already have an idea. Um, this is what I want to do this week. <laughs> and I went to the middle school I attended the same week that I was crowned to talk to the class because when I was in middle school, I competed in my first pageant and people at school were so cruel about the whole idea of me competing in a pageant and said that I was stuck up and only cared about myself and patents were stupid. And when you're 13, those words weigh so heavy on you. And the story that I tell all of these students, that was really a defining moment in my life that I think kind of led to this, you know, not letting anyone else define you as I, I sing. That's, always been a part of my life and I was invited to sing the national anthem at a high school hockey game right I'm 13 I'm like I'm officially the coolest girl on earth <laughs> and I, I get up there and I start singing the national anthem and I forgot the words to the national anthem not because I didn't know them just because I was so nervous and it was oh I like cringing just thinking about the moment because I can still remember that exact feeling in the gut of my stomach but I went to school the next day and every single kid that was at that hockey game had something to say to me. And it was about pageantry um, because I did it with my little local title that I had. It was about, you know, this is what you get and how dumb and how embarrassing. And I was mortified. I was like, went home, cried to my mom, like never going to school again, for sure. We have to transfer. Um, (laughs) I've never seen the national anthem again. Um, Yeah, this is never happening. So that same night, I'm crying in my pillow. The man who was in charge of the high school hockey team called me back and said, hey, we have another home game this week. Why don't you come sing again? And I was like, have you lost your mind? Were you there <laughs> for this horrible situation that just happened? And he was like, yes, but at the end of the day, I know you can do this. You know you can do it. And you just have to come back and prove it to yourself that you can. So I'm like, okay, okay. So I don't tell anyone I'm doing it right. I'm like, okay, maybe if I just go in disguise, nobody will know it's me. And I went back and I sang the national anthem and I nailed it. Probably the best performance of the national anthem I've ever had. My 13-year-old self rocking it. But I think that was the moment for me that I could have let other people change the course of my life. And I could have never competed in a pageant again. And I could have never sang again. And if I would have done that, my life would have been on a whole different course. I wouldn't have had this job modeling for Mac Dougal. I wouldn't have had this job at Future Productions. I would have never been Miss Wisconsin USA. There are so many things in my world that would have been different because I would have let other people's words have influenced on how I felt about myself, influence on what I wanted to do, who I wanted to be. At the end of the day, none of that matters. And that's what I would tell all of my middle school students, right? Like, I decided I wanted to be Miss Wisconsin USA. And I laughed because even my parents were like, you're so young, you're going to have a fun time. I'm like, no, I'm going to be Miss Wisconsin USA. And they're like, I'm sure you will someday. I'm like, no, I'm going to do it this year. And you have to be that driving force for yourself. So Thankfully, I learned that lesson as a 13-year-old, but it was a lesson I had to relearn throughout my years in Wisconsin, USA. And again, I talked about letting other people impact you. Every time I talked to a middle school class, I remembered those words. I remembered that feeling of being 13. And I remembered that it really didn't matter. You know, it is me who decides the outcome. It is me who decides who I become. So just let that be your driving force. So I would talk to these students, but it would be like a lesson for myself. Every time I gave this talk it was the sky's the limit little play on my name 
But we would talk about how your dreams are always within your reach. You're the one that creates that reach. Nobody else. So that's what drove that. As Miss Wisconsin USA, it was something, again, you face it almost every day. And now with the internet out there, people can just say whatever they want, whenever they want, and they forget that there's an actual human being that they're talking about. So you have to be strong. And I hope that, you know, when people read my blog, when I talk to students, they can feel that and they can understand that they are the driving force in their own life and nobody else can be. And if you're going to ever let someone be the driving force in your life, let those negative comments be a positive driving force for you. When people tell you you can't do something, let that be the thing that pushes you harder to do whatever it is that you want to do. So I guess that's where that comes from. As for my honesty, that's just who I am. <laughs> I'm, and I'm, I'm feeling fortunate that so many people have connected with my blog, but I feel like it is because I'm honest. I'm honest about things that are tough. I'm honest about the fact that people say mean things about me on the internet and that I see these mean things. But I'm also honest about the fact that I don't let it change my view of myself. Well, I love your story and the fact, you know, there's deeper meaning to that story, but the fact that, you know, when you were given a second chance to overcome your fear, you took it. And I can tell you there's so many people out there that wouldn't have taken that. And, you know, it's become a foundation for your entire life story. So super cool. Yeah, it's kind of crazy how 13-year-old moments can truly (laughs) shape the rest of your life. And I really do think that has been one of the biggest, had the largest impact on me was that moment of taking that second chance. And there are still things that I'm terrified of doing, but I always do them because why not? Why not take the chance? So I always tell people the worst thing that can happen is someone says, no, the worst thing that can happen is it doesn't work out, but you're going to be a better person because you tried. It sounds like the blog is a little bit is kind of an outlet for your emotions in some cases, but did you think when you started it that 50,000 people would be reading your posts in a year? Oh my goodness. No, not at all. (laughs) When I, when I started it and I, Truthfully, it has been kind of like a journal for me. So it's funny that you said that um, emotion side of things because it really is. And it blows my mind every time I post a blog and there are people from countries all over the world that are reading it because when I started my blog, it was because I had just started off in my modeling career and I was getting a lot of messages about, you know, how did you do it? Who should I trust? How can I get involved? So I was like, oh, I'll just, you know, create a resource for models in my area who are trying to start out but I just wrote it exactly how I talk and I wrote it from real life experience and people started reading it. And I was like, Oh my goodness. Okay. This is amazing. (laughs) And (laughs) then I kept writing and um, the blog that I feel like really started the, the pageant side of things was I wrote a blog after I placed first runner up in the teen division about competition. And I didn't mean for it to be the start of something crazy and for so many people to read it, but it was just about how at the end of the day, when you're competing in a pageant, when you're looking for a modeling job, there is one woman who is meant for that job. In that moment, everybody has a time. So you can't look at competition as I need to beat somebody else. You need to look at it as like, I need to be the best version of myself that I can be today. And if that's not what they're looking for, that's okay because I am authentic and I'm the best version of me. And that blog went crazy. I remember the day that I posted it, I looked at the analytics at the end of the day and I was like, what is happening? I thought that my computer had a virus or something because <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I'm like, this is insane. I don't I, I'm, I was so flattered and honored and From there, I realized that honesty and being raw about those things that a lot of girls, especially in the pageant and modeling industry experience, can mean a lot to women just to know that they're not alone in the feelings that they're having. Well, it's funny that you bring up that particular blog because I actually was looking at that and I took some notes from it. I wanted to read a little excerpt because I think it totally speaks to 
every pageant girl out there, if you don't mind if I read it. Go for it. A long time ago, when I was much younger and devastated over not placing in a pageant, someone told me, different judges, different day, different outcome. It's probably one of the most real things I've ever heard. Judges have a job to find the best representative they can. They are given a loose outline of criteria. Can she talk? Can she walk? Is she a representative of today's modern woman? So on and so forth. But in reality, everyone's ideal is going to be different. So my approach to life is to continuously better myself and worry only about the things that I can control. I work on my physical, mental, and emotional well-being. I am not afraid to help others better themselves. I think that definitely connects. For sure. And again, it connects in all aspects of pageantry. It doesn't have to be Miss USA, but competing at the state level, you're working to be your best self. But that doesn't mean you can't build up the women around you. Because I think a true queen, regardless of whether she walks away with the crown, is someone who has that ability, has the ability to have strength in herself, but also do everything she can to be uplifting to those around her, especially women. I mean, we live in a world where women have to have each other's backs, right? Like, there is no reason, even in the competition aspect, that we have to be tearing each other down. And I think, again, something that I learned from middle and high school is you face a lot of those girls that tear each other down. And what are they gaining from that? How are they gaining anything from that? Well, speaking of lifting others up, you were a member of one of the best dance teams in Wisconsin. I was reading about that. Uh, and I know you worked really hard to earn that spot. But along the way of competing with that team, um, you developed something that you like to term as, quote, uh, dancer thighs. Now, yes. <laughs> we, we, of course, are in the midst of the whole, you know, body image movement in America. The Miss America organization announces that they're removing bikini altogether. Teen USA shifts to active wear. So my question is this. Does the struggle with your body image ever make you want to give up competing in pageants? Or does it make you want to overcome your fears and insecurities of how you believe you look and find your confidence physically? Overcome those fears 100%. And I think that is the most difficult thing to do. I think as women, we are a lot harder on ourselves, especially when it comes to physical appearance. And I can speak firsthand. I touched on it a little bit before how I waited to compete in the teen division until I was like the oldest you could be. Um, at the time, teen was still doing swimsuit. And that is the reason that I wouldn't do it. As a 14, 15-year-old, 16-year-old girl, I never felt confident enough in my body. I'm like, there's no way, even in a one piece, that I could get up in front of all of those people and stand on a stage. I don't even want to go to the beach in a swimsuit, let alone stand on a stage. Like, that's crazy. And then I did it, and I got to work with a wonderful trainer, and I found ways to be healthy and still be confident. And when I competed at Miss Wisconsin USA, I still had those dancer's eyes, but I was proud of them. And I'm like, here they are. They're super muscular and tough. And <laughs> And I worked really hard to have these and I can probably jump higher than anybody in this room because my legs. <laughs> so <laughs> it is, you have to go after those fears. And I'm so happy I did. I'm so happy I found a healthy lifestyle. And I also think that was a part of my post pageant blues was transitioning into a new version of healthy for myself. And I'm, I think I'm just now getting there. It took almost a year. Again, you compete in your best shape of your life at Miss USA so transitioning into normal world where you do wear a bikini from time to time outside, but you don't have to have six pack abs. You're not on national TV. You're not wearing six inch heels. Your legs look so different in six inch heels than they do in flat shoes. That's like one thing that I've had to transition out of since being in pageants because your legs look amazing when you're wearing six inch heels and then you're wearing flats. And you're like, why don't my legs look like that? And it's like, <laughs> well, because you're not wearing six inch heels. Um, so transitioning into that. And I think, that fear is what holds a lot of girls back from competing, but it can be 
such a strong force in your life to get up on that stage and do it and just own, own who you are. You know, I, I've written about this a little bit, but own who you are regardless of what that means. And everyone's vision of beauty is different. And everyone has days when they don't feel confident. Even like at Miss USA, there would be a day when I would wake up and I'd go, oh my goodness, my makeup looks terrible. I don't look good in this outfit. I feel like I gained 10 pounds since I got to Vegas. Like everybody has those feelings of like not being 100% confident all of the time. And that is okay. It is okay to have those emotions. It's okay to feel that way. But instead of like hating on your body, the very best advice I give girls when they're like working to get in better shape, create a healthier lifestyle is instead of being upset with the body you have, why not embrace the body you have while working hard for the body you want? But it's so important to be positive about the body you have. So important. Well, I want to ask you as a former contestant who has competed at the national show over the past couple of years, uh, do you like the direction the pageants are going right now with, you know, the politically inspired topics and questions and the body image focus? Or do you wish, you know, they went back to the more traditional pageant format when it was run by Donald Trump? I love the direction that Miss Universe is going. I think there has always been this vision in the minds of people in America that Miss USA is just a pretty face. And that has never been the truth. I mean, every Miss USA is very articulate, has things that they're passionate about. But when you watch on TV, and especially, you know, I remember watching when I was a little girl, it can be perceived to people who don't know very much about pageants just from watching like, okay, great. She looks great in a bikini and she can walk in a gown. Awesome. And it seems like that's all that there is to these women. And there is so much more. So I love the fact that Miss Universe is bringing light to the fact that these women are well-educated. They can talk about some really tough things. I mean, I know that that commercial break about the Me Too movement really caused an interesting backfire from media, Mm -hmm. both in a positive direction and a negative direction. And I think what a powerful statement um, for the Miss Universe organization and for these young women to make because they are standing on stage in bikinis and they are strong and they are well-educated, but they also have dealt with something that one in four American women deal with. And it's something that people are afraid to talk about, but shouldn't be because it is very relevant and needs to be discussed. So I love the direction they're going. I feel like it gives substance to Miss USA. Mm-hmm. Again, it's always been a woman who is full of substance and full of so many wonderful things, but allowing the public to see that as well. I know that pageant fans might disagree with me because it's fun to watch the glitz and the glam of Miss USA, but Miss USA has always been more than that and allowing the public to see that. I think it's such a wonderful move on the organization's part. So if from a contestant standpoint, you guys are happy, um, then I think we have a problem to solve here. So let me share some statistics with you, because when it comes to television ratings, um, America has spoken. And I, I was reading an article in Variety magazine that said from the time that Trump sold the Miss Universe organization to IMG that next year, what, 2016, I guess the year before you were up there, uh, viewership mm-hmm. fell, viewership fell 27%. So the first year IMG owned it, it was 4.4 million viewers. Then last year it fell to 2.9. And then this year it was 2.35 million viewers. So three years in a row now, ratings from a viewership standpoint are falling. But the, you know, the fact is, and, and you mentioned it, I mean, there's still an incredible level of talent from you girls on that stage. So, you know, what's going on here and, and how, how do you think we need to communicate to America what this is and, and, and what are they missing that they're not wanting to watch? I think that's such an interesting point. And I don't know, there may be other contestants who maybe disagree with my particular, you know, standpoint on how it's going. 
Um, I think that whenever there's new ownership, regardless of what the organization is, there's always a transitional period. You know, you can't expect someone to come into ownership of a, of a competition and keep everything exactly the same and just keep moving forward. Right. IMG came in and they had different ideas and it's all about like learning and it's, what do they say? A limbo back and forth, right. Of Mm -hmm. kind of hearing what the public has to say and then translating that over to the show. And I think IMG did a great job. I know my year, there were people who were upset about them not being a top 15 and they wanted to see more of the girls and IMG listened, heard that this year there was a top 15. Those girls got plenty of TV time, but I do think it's a transitional period for people to adjust to this new ownership and adjust to the new way that the pageant um, kind of looks as a whole I do think that the current Miss USA, Sarah Summers, is a wonderful representative. Um, I have not personally met her, but I feel like I know her because she does such a wonderful job of making people feel like they're a part of this journey with her, which I think is going to be very beneficial and hopefully reflective in those ratings on TV because it's very special when you feel like you know what Miss USA is doing every day. And as someone who's even competed, I get excited when she posts a story. I'm like, ooh, what's Sarah doing today? I feel like I'm her best friend but we've never actually met. So I think that it is a transitional period and there's a lot of, a lot of struggles that come with the transition, but I think they're doing a great job of making that transition and making the pageant something that little girls, you know, they, they want to be Miss USA, not just because she's absolutely stunning, but because, you know, she is well-spoken. She can come talk to them. She is someone that you want to be best friends with. And I think that's really a really cool thing. So like I said, I'm not sure all contestants would agree with me, but I do think it's a transition point and they are, they're making their way to a, a new wave of Miss Universe, but I think a wonderful wave. So, you know, you've competed on the stage and then obviously this year you got to watch it on television with everybody else. Is there anything about it, the whole program that you would change, you know, the, the format or just the way they're doing it? Is there anything you'd want to see change at this point? I guess I never thought that much about it just because I guess I've never thought of myself (laughs) in the power to be able to change it. You have power. Um, If I would change. I think I would do, I I wish, and this is not the organization's fault, I wish that they would have three hours again just because it is so fun to really feel like you know those top 15, that top 10. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's also a reason that maybe people are watching less because they don't feel like they're getting to know. And again, that's not Miss Universe's fault. That's just TV time and but I think if they had three hours again to get people, because then you really start cheering for girls, right? Like, of course, when the show starts, you're cheering for your home state, regardless of if you like pageants or not, you're cheering for your home state. And maybe your home state doesn't make top 15, but then you see one of those little videos and you're like, oh, now I'm cheering for North Carolina. And then all of a sudden she makes top 10 and they show another video clip of her and you're like, oh my gosh, I love her. And then all of a sudden you're a fan of North Carolina and you didn't even know the girl's name at the beginning of the show. So I think... If I had the power to control national television, which would be awesome, I, <laughs> I would give that extra hour to Miss Universe because I think that is so beneficial to the American public. And pageant fans, pageant fans love to get to know the girls. And they, you know, everyone keeps up now on social media, but it's so special when you see those montages that Miss, that Miss USA puts together because it is so cool to feel like you're a part of that woman's life, to know what she does as a career, to know what she's passionate about. It's just a really cool thing. So, yes, one extra hour. Yeah, no, I, I like that because, you know, they, they now have the ability with the ratings meters that they can literally watch every minute of the show, like where the audience is going. And it's always, you know, right after that cut to 15, of course, there's, you know, th- what, 35 girls out that half the country tunes out because they're like, oh, our state's not in it anymore. So it would be nice to see them go a little bit farther so people stay more engaged. 
Um, so right. you know, everybody gets to be a part of it. And again, the drama builds up a little bit, and it's not like, hey, welcome to the show. Here's the 15. Right. It gives it makes people like tune in because they're like, oh my gosh, I just want to see. I just want to see who's going to make the cut. <laughs> and they have to wait for a few commercial breaks. Well, I will say as a contestant, though, the fact that it was two hours was kind of nice because you you don't have to deal with that anticipation. Sure. <laughs> you just you get to wait for the first commercial break and then they make the first cut and then you don't have to stress out anymore, which was kind of nice. If it was three hours and I competed, I sort of like pass out on stage out of being so excited. Well, hey, one of the things that's different about the, the, the pageant in the last few years you've been a part of this is, you know, social media has now really become an, a very integral part of the process. Um, and I was actually reading about a class project that you did for an assignment in college called Instagram versus reality. And I really thought the article was, you know, candid and honest from the standpoint that, you know, we all say that Instagram is everybody's highlight reel. But if we venture to look into our own feeds, <laughs> we actually do the same right. thing, you know. So, you know, what did you come away with by doing this project and learning? It was such an interesting thing because when I was given the project, I was like, I have no idea what I'm going to do this on. Um, <laughs> And then I thought to myself, I have a strong Instagram presence, and I am guilty of doing that. I'm, of course, it's your highlight reel. You're not going to post when you're having a bad day. Like today, I'm having a terrible allergic reaction on my eyes. I have terrible allergies. So my eyes are like practically puffed shut. <laughs> I'm not going to post a selfie today, right? I'm not going to be like, hey, check me out. I can barely see out of my eyes because they're so puffed shut because of my allergies. Like that's just not normal. But I do think it can be difficult in the world that we live in with social media to perceive your life as lesser just because you're looking at other people's highlights reel and like not being self-aware that you also have a highlight reel and your life is equally as cool. It's there. You know, do you know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. you compare yourself to others and you're like, well, she's traveling all the time or she's doing all this and she's doing all that. Well, of course that's what you see, but there are probably a million things under the surface, much like what you portray on social media. So I did this and it kind of tied into what I did with middle school students as well was this Instagram versus reality because everyone has what they post on Instagram, but then what is the reality? So I shared my post and after Miss USA, I was, I had some new bikinis that I wanted to take photos in. I mean, I probably took 100 pictures that day and I'm not even exaggerating. And there was one picture <laughs> that I liked the best and I shared a little screen grab from my phone that day of all of the pictures that I took because the reality of that one picture that, you know, blew up and everyone loved and, oh, you look so great, was I had to take a hundred pictures to get the one photo that I liked that I felt like I looked great in and was comfortable with. So I think it's important that we have those moments of intense vulnerability, especially on social media, to be like, my life isn't perfect all the time. I don't take great pictures on the first try, you know, and that's okay. And I, I allowed people to kind of take it for what they wanted, right? Like it could be, here's a good picture and here's a bad picture. Here's the reality of what I posted. And I actually ended up editing it a ton to look that way. And that was the reality. So it was a really cool social experiment, if you will. And a lot of the girls who participated were my Miss USA sisters and other girls that I met through pageantry, which I thought was amazing because again, these women are women that so many look up to, whether it's male or female, because they've had this strong presence. People watch them on TV. So for them to come forward and be like, yep, sometimes I post on Instagram, but this is the reality of what it looks like. And to have people feel like they're a part of that and to know that everybody, you know, has those moments that are not Instagram worthy. I, it was just a really cool thing to be able to see and to have my sisters participate in was really awesome that they were supporting it. And again, they have huge followings and it's, in, it's important for people to know that nobody's perfect. Nobody leaves this glamorous life all the time. So yeah, it was, it was a fun, 
fun little class project that turned into my own little little social media experiment. Well, and it's super relevant because, you know, what I see uh, all of you girls go through is you have the title and you literally, for a year, you are a human highlight reel. You get to do cool stuff all the time, every day. You get to talk to people. You get to be, you know, meet celebrities. You get to do all this and that. And then once it's over, you can't do that anymore. And so it's you see the frequency of the posts go down. And then I think for many of you, you know, in its human psychology, we're afraid to not look like we're as successful as we once were when we had the title. Does that sound about right? Absolutely. And that is part of the transitioning out of being a title holder is coming to terms with the reality that your life is different and it's going to look different. And that's okay. Right. You have when you have a crown, life just seems so much sparklier, literally. (laughs) (laughs) That's a a good analogy. Um, but it's, it's okay that it's not like that every day. And that, that is conversations I've had with my mom multiple times. Like I said, this transition post post title took time and coming to terms with that. I mean, like, it's okay. And when you have a crown, people are more likely to have you come to super fun events. Like that's just, <laughs> just the way it is. And that's okay. And you, but take those opportunities, be excited about those opportunities, but then it's okay that they don't come as often. And it's okay. And you're still just as wonderful and sparkly of a person as you were before. <laughs> so what if what if we did an, an experiment just kind of like you did where, you know, the, the day after Miss USA, the 50, 51 title holders all decide for a week that we're going to post pictures without makeup on. We're not going to have the best outfits on. We're just going to kind of do whatever, you know, we look like when we wake up. Wh- what do you think that would do if an experiment like that, you know, was, was tried? I think that could be really powerful. Again, these are women who people just saw, you know, in their most glamorous states. I can truly say that I have never looked or felt better than when I was standing on the Miss USA stage. So contrasting that with the reality of like everyday life and post Miss USA, me and my class have talked about this before, but that is what you do. You don't wear makeup for a week because your face is like, you need a break. (laughs) You don't do your hair. You wear pajamas. You sit on the couch and eat ice cream. And that is the life you have and you love it. So I think posting about that, I think that could be a really powerful thing and a very cool thing for especially young women to see that you can have glamorous moments, but you don't need to have them all the time. And nobody has them all the time, right? Even the girls standing on the Miss USA stage don't just roll around in fake eyelashes every day. Mm-hmm. They are normal people who live normal lives and do normal things, but they also happen to do the super cool thing. So, yeah, I think that would be kind of fun. Maybe you should write a blog, create a challenge, and create a hashtag around it and see if you can get them to do it. There you go. I, that could be pretty fun. We'll have to do it next year post Miss USA, but that gives me a lot of time to really put the plan in action. I kind of love it. That sounds good. Very cool. Now, professionally, where where do you want to go? What's your dream job? What do you want to do? This is like the scariest question you could possibly ever ask <laughs> an, a college graduate. No, uh, <laughs> I'll joke aside. I'm graduating in December, which will be a semester early. I am so glad I maintained full-time student status when I was preparing for Miss USA, which was definitely stressful, but so worth it because I'm now graduating in December, which is very exciting. Um, Like I said, I'll be working for future productions in the fall, which I'm so excited for. I love pageants. I love being involved in pageantry. and I feel so lucky that they allow me to be a part of their team. Um, But after that, I am really looking to get involved in the entertainment industry. My dream is to um, do films. Um, so I'm hoping to go out to LA here at, at this, around December post-graduation and try my hand at it, at it. I think pageantry in life has taught me that the only way you'll ever find out if it's going to work out or not is if you give it a try. Mm-hmm. 
So that's kind of how I'm looking at this. I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to work really hard to make it happen and just kind of see where I can go from there. Well, we certainly have some connections out there. So connect with me on that. We can uh, make sure that you, you know the right people when you get out there. Absolutely. I will not say no to that. <laughs> Well, look, hey, I appreciate you sharing all this. I mean, number one, your blog is awesome, too. You know, I know you have this bubbly personality and this great smile that just lights up a room when you walk in. It was one of the first things that I remember seeing about you when I met you. And uh, I know that you inspire a lot of girls, and I I just appreciate you taking the time to to spend with us. Well, thank you. I appreciate being a part of this. Anytime I can share my little tidbits of knowledge that I've gained from pageantry, whether it be on my my blog or something like this, it means a lot to me. I, I hope that even if there's one girl listening who's, something that I said resonates true with her. I feel like then I've done, I've done a good job today. Well, and again, if you're listening, uh, I'll post uh, Skylar's blog uh, web address on the, the description to this podcast. So definitely click on it and take a read of the few because I know you're, you're probably going to be inspired by what you read. So Skylar, thanks for the time today. Have a great one and uh, hope to have you back on in the future. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Tim. That is today's episode. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And do me a favor, subscribe to the podcast. You can do so on Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, the podcast app, Google Play, or you can just go to lifeafterthecrown.com. And by the way, if you're still involved in the pageant world and you're wondering, well, what is Life After the Crown going to look like for me and how do I prepare for it? Well, I highly encourage you to download my free Life After the Crown starter guide. It's a quick read. It's going to give you a great blueprint on how to start planning now and not when it's all over. So to get it, just go to timtialdo.com slash starter guide and you can get it there for free. And for weekly podcast updates, don't forget to follow me on Instagram at timtialdo. Until next time, remember the words of James 1.12. Anyone who meets a testing challenge head-on and manages to stick it out is mighty fortunate. For such people loyally in love with God, the reward is life and more life. Have a great week, everybody.